Hey, welcome to Crossover Church ATL, and uh, happy Memorial Day weekend. Y'all got plans for Memorial Day? No plans. Praise God. Sleep. I heard sleep. Somebody says sleep. Cleaning. What else? Give me some fun ones. Grill. That's what I'm talking about. We, we're going to J, J, J. Cross's house. How many of y'all going swimming? One person. <laughs> so today I was praying like literally through the week. And, you know, how many of y'all know like the enemy hates what we do? Like the enemy hates us. I don't necessarily think that just an average Christian is a threat to the enemy. But a Christian who is taking territory in the name of Jesus we are threats to the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of this world. So it's always like one thing after another, after another, after another. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Say, yeah. It's like the enemy tries to just continually throw his darts at us in Jesus' name. So two days ago, yesterday morning, I woke up uh, to Justin right here and some of our urban missionaries uh, texting us and letting us know that there was a fire in one of the communities that we minister in. There was a fire, a car fire. And just so happened that our ministry van, the one that we pick people up every single Sunday, the one that we deliver food around the community, the one that's literally being worked every single day of the week that, that provides resources and transportation for our people, would just so happen to be parked right next to one of the cars that was burning, and it burned our whole van up. And so we got that text yesterday, and we actually... It's kind of sad because we got it on video burning. <laughs> and I thought to myself for a second, you know, and, and the first thing we want to do is get frustrated, right? The first thing you want to do is like, oh, my God. But then I thought to myself, like, you know what? Like, this is just like the devil. He tries to throw fiery darts, as the scripture says, right, to get us off course or to get us frustrated. So why did I share that? I'm sharing that because there are people sitting in this room, in these chairs right here today, that you're feeling frustrated because of what the enemy is throwing at you. He's throwing these fiery darts at you. But here's the deal. It's like my man David said, what are you focusing on? I can sit here and I can focus on the van that we lost. I could focus on the fire. I could focus on the things. Or I could focus on King Jesus because he is the provider. He is the way maker. He is the one that's going to allow us to get another van or get another whatever vehicle because it's his ministry. It's his people. It's his church. And he's the one that loves people in this neighborhood and wishes that none perish apart from him. And who does he send? He sends you and he sends me. Amen. So listen, Javen had this word, focus on the things of the Lord. Focus on what is going right. Focus on him because I'm telling you, he is doing supernatural things in this season, in this hour, in our city, and in your life. And the more you focus on that, the more you, you, you start to become the joy. You start to become the peace. You start to become the truth and the wisdom and the love and all the fruits of the Spirit start to flow through you. Because you're focusing on the one who gives these things, not on the one who takes them away. Amen? So I was praying, Lord, what do you want me to preach on? And, and, and I heard this word called counterfeit. Say counterfeit. Counterfeit is, it just means like something is made in the image, but it's not really the real thing. We know counterfeit money is like a, a big thing in America. People like to counterfeit $100 bills. 
Now they're counterfeiting $20 bills and $10 bills, I heard. And the reason why they're counterfeiting $10 bills is because people don't check the $10 bills like they check the $100 bills. And so they're passing fake money through the streets every single day. And so I said, okay, God, that's, that's, that's a cool word. And, and then he reminded me that the scripture says that the enemy is like a roaring lion, prowling around the streets, seeking to devour, steal, kill, and destroy, and devour any single person who's representing the kingdom of God. Right? And I look at this van, I look at my life, I look at your life, and all of us have these struggles. All of us have the enemy coming at us, seeking to devour us. But the scripture said that he's like a roaring lion. He is not the roaring lion. He's a counterfeit roaring lion. He's a counterfeit lion. He wants to be like God, but he is not God. Amen? And so then the Lord took me to Matthew chapter 7. I want to read this together. Matthew chapter 7. If you got your Bibles, pull it out. If not... It's right here on the screen. We're going to start in verse 13. It says this, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Verse 15, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are like ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do not pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit and every bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit, it's cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the ones who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons in your name? Did we not perform many miracles? Then I will say to them plainly, this is Jesus speaking, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity or you evildoers. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock the rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew, beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had a foundation of a rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. Rains came down, the streams rose, the wind blew, beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Father God, we just pray over your word. I pray that it ministers to the hearts and the minds of your children, Father. Do what only you could do. Give us revelation and speak to us today, for we are listening. In Jesus' name, we all said amen. Now, I get the privilege to meet with a lot of people literally throughout the week. I like to go to lunch. I like to meet people for coffee. And I talk to a lot of people who are, who are in this church, outside of the church, who love God, who don't love God. And I got to be real with you guys this morning. There's a lot of people who claim to be a Christian, but yet somewhere inside they're still struggling, wondering if they're really saved. Wondering like because I deal with this stuff or because my mind goes this place or because I continually sin, am I a Christian? Am I really saved? Am I really sanctified? Maybe there's some people in this room that struggle with that thought from time to time. And here's the deal. It's one thing to admit that you're struggling with something. 
It's a whole other thing when you try to validate the things that you're struggling with, with the word of God. And there's a lot of that happening in 2022. There's a lot of people who are continually continuing in sin, what the Bible calls sin, not what I call sin, what the Bible calls sin and trying to validate it. Saying that that's old-fashioned or that's out of style. They're trying to dilute the absolute truth. And so therefore, their people are struggling with different things, wondering if I'm a Christian. And there's some people that, that clearly they're walking in lies and sin, but they're trying to say that it is my truth. And therefore, they're calling themselves Christians. But the reality is the Bible says that they are not. And so... Everyone has a story. Everyone has been in different situations. And, and here's the deal. Let me, let me just get this out of the way. We all fall short of the glory of God. Amen. We all fall short of the glory of God. But the reality is that God's graceful enough that he would send his son to rescue us through faith in Jesus. Right. And, so, and, and me trying to live out a righteous life. But it's not about works. It's about the work that he's already done on the cross in Jesus' name. Amen. But I can't continually continue in sin and call it good. I can't continue to do the things that God rescued me from and say that I'm, you know, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus when I'm continually in the sin that he just delivered me from. I used to, I used to I'll tell you, as your pastor, I used to deal with that when I first got saved. God delivered me from a bunch of different things. But I continued to go back to the old. And the guy started to tell me, that's no longer who you are. That's who you used to be. But I've made you a new creation in the name of Jesus. He says that the old, all the old things pass away and behold, all things become new. But the problem is sometimes we want to go to the old ways, the old things, and hold on to those things. Because we're comfortable with them. And we want to we put them in our bag and we want to put them on our back and we want to take those old things with us. And we can't validate and try to change what the word says to fit our truth. The reality is there's an absolute truth and it is his word. And so I wanted to talk about counterfeit Christianity today. Because there is such thing as counterfeit Christianity. Now, maybe some of y'all grew up working in retail. Anybody used to work in retail? I used to work in a restaurant. Anybody used to work in restaurants? And we used to take cash, especially back in the day. If you're old like me, we used to take a lot of cash. This is before, like, debit cards were a huge thing. And, and, and people used to hand you a $100 bill. You ever get handed a $100 bill in retail? Nine times out of ten, they used to make you swipe that thing with a black marker. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Say, yeah. And this black marker would test whether the $100 bill was real or it was counterfeit. And if, if, the, if, the, if the marker would turn green or blue, there was a bunch of different ones. But if it would turn a certain color, that means that that bill was not a real $100 bill. And they used to have to, like, call somebody and they would call the police. And they would go through this whole process about you trying to use a counterfeit $100 bill. I'll never forget. I went to deposit money years ago into my Wells Fargo checking account. We were doing a church event in ministry at a church, selling T-shirts, selling a bunch of other stuff. And I went and I took the cash and I went to deposit it in Wells Fargo, my checking account. And they told me, to, they asked for my ID. 
they told me to have a seat to the left. I said, why am I having a seat? I'm just depositing some money. And they made me sit down. Next thing you know, the police show up at the bank. Somebody at the church, I'm not going to name the church, <laughs> gave us counterfeit $100 bills. And we didn't have the marker to check it. We just thought like, hey, they're Christians. They got to be doing the right thing. Or they didn't know themselves. Somebody gave it to them, and then they gave it to us, and they got away with a bunch of free City Takers merch in Jesus' name. <laughs> the, the marker is there to test whether the $100 bill or any bill is real or it's not. We feel stuff in our body. We get sick in our body. We go to the doctor, and the doctor has to run tests on your physical body to determine what is wrong. You ever been to the doctor before? Right? They go through a series of tests. They ask you what you're feeling. They ask you how, how, how high, on a scale of 1 to 10, when I touch right here, how bad is the pain? They're running through a series of tests to determine what is going on inside of your body. The marker tests the bill. The doctor tests the body. There's all types of tests that people perform to find out the truth. And in this sermon, I wanted to pre present to you four simple tests or examinations to make you find out if you're believing counterfeit truth or if it's the real truth in the name of Jesus. But pastor, why should I have to test myself? That's a good question. Why should I have to test myself? I know I'm a Christian. Why should I test myself? Let me tell you why. Because 2 Corinthians 13.5 says this. Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. It says test yourself. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the tests? The first thing we see in the scriptures that we just read in Matthew chapter 7, we see the test of accuracy. Say accuracy. We see two gates. We see two different gates. The first thing we realize is they had to choose the right direction. Verse 13, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. Many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and only you find it. They had to choose which direction they were going to walk in. As a believer, they had to choose which gate they were going to walk through. The two gates are different in three types of ways. The first way is they both had destinations, right? Narrow led to what? Heaven, we could say, and broad led to hell. So there was a destination to each gate. And each one was different. The second different thing that we read about these two gates is they had dividends, meaning they had numbers or amounts of people walking down each one. Narrow was very few people. Broad was many people. And the third thing, it had a dimension or amount of space. Narrow, it was very small. The broad world was very wide. So we read about, you know, the, the destination, the dividend, and the dimensions. And we have to test ourselves to make sure every day that we are going in the right direction. Every day. We got to wake up 
and test ourselves. Hey, are we going in the right direction or are we following lies? Are we following someone who's, who's clothed like a sheep but inward it's like a wolf? And YouTube loves doing this to us. Social media loves doing this to us. All of a sudden we hear something and it's like, oh, my God, I never really thought of that. And it starts to lure us away in a different direction. So we got to choose the direction. There was always two gates. The next thing you do, you have to choose the right doctrine. Watch out for false prophets. There's a lot of them in this day, in this age. Did you know that? There's a lot of false prophets around the world. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are like ferocious wolves. The counterfeit, listen to this, the counterfeit appears to be righteous. The enemy loves to counterfeit truth. I used to love watching Scooby-Doo. Y'all remember Scooby-Doo? Scooby-Doo-Doo. And Scrappy-Doo and who can name all of them? I'm not going to test you in that. When they caught the villain in Scooby-Doo, they would always unmask the villain. Remember that? The villain was always someone in a different costume. And then nine times out of ten, actually almost 100% of the time in Scooby-Doo, they knew the villain. They knew who it was. They're like, oh, you're the, you're this person. Oh, you're Uncle Bob or you're this person. It was always someone they knew. And we have to make sure people in our lives that we're following are followers of the way and followers of his word. Otherwise, we're being deceived and we're being led astray. For real. We start to, we start to consume truth from people who are wearing costumes, clothed like sheep. Clothed like righteousness. There's always two gates and we always have to test the accuracy of the direction and the doctrine that we are walking in as believers. So that's the first thing. The second thing, we have to test the abundance. There was not only two gates, we see there was two trees in the story as well. Right, two trees. And we see progression in these trees. Verse 16, by their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit and bad trees bear bad fruit. A good tree can't bear bad fruit and a bad tree can't bear good fruit. Every tree that doesn't bear fruit is torn down and thrown into the fire. If, you, if I'm reading this scripture correctly, bad trees still grow and even bear fruit. Yeah. Bad trees still grow and bad trees still bear fruit. What does that mean? Even someone who is lost and doesn't know Jesus, living in the kingdom of darkness, can still show signs of growth. And we sometimes believe the lies because we're seeing someone flourish in, in the kingdom of this world. And we start to follow the wrong things and the wrong people. Are you bearing fruit? Is your life bearing fruit spiritually, mentally, physically? But that's not the only question you need to ask yourself. You need, you need to ask yourself, is this good fruit or is this bad fruit? If I, if I could be real with you for a moment, there was a season where I was bearing bad fruit. I had to check myself. I had to realize, like, you know what? This fruit that I'm bearing right now is not coming from the king. 
This fruit is coming from my manipulation and my hustle. It's been a long time ago. I'm not talking about last week now. From my manipulation and my hustle. And sometimes we can build something for ourselves. I'm not saying all those things are bad. But what I'm saying is sometimes we look at those things because it, it, it's, it's a reflection of success in the eyes of the world. And next thing you know, we're being lured away from our purpose, our God-given destiny on this earth. Because we're following someone who looks like they're producing something. And they are producing something. Except it's bad fruit in the context of the kingdom. What is your life producing? You need to examine the fruit that you're producing. But we also see a lack of production. Verse 20, thus by their fruits you will recognize them. If there's no spiritual fruits, that means they're probably wandering around somewhere. And what does that mean? That means that you're lost. You're lost. Sometimes we think of someone who's lost, who's just completely in sin. Right, well, someone who's lost in the kingdom, what it means is you are just far away from God. And you're trying to find your way back to the truth. You're trying to find your way to peace. You're trying to find your way to joy. You're trying to find your way to happiness, but you're looking in all the wrong places. Because what the words you're believing are lies. If I just had enough money, then I'll be happy. If I could just get married, then I'm going to be happy. If I just didn't have her in my life or him in my life, then I'll be happy. It's all a lie. True happiness comes from King Jesus and him alone. I'm telling you, him alone. This is the test. Is my life bearing kingdom fruits? Jesus says this in John 10, 10. The thief doesn't come except to steal, kill, and destroy. But I come that you may have life and have a life more abundantly. What does that look like? What does an abundant life look like on this earth? Let me tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that you have, you know, the G-Wagon and the big, you know, seven-bedroom mansion on a lake with the white picket fence. That's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is having peace that transcends all understanding. That no matter what season, no matter what situation you're in, no matter what's going on in your life, you could have peace internally. You could have joy unimaginable. Everything could be going to hell. And let me tell you something. The world is just going to continue to grow darker and darker and darker. But the good news is this. We know how it ends. Our Jesus is coming back, right, to rescue us and redeem us in the name of Jesus. For real. Life more abundantly. I want the fullness of that abundant life on this earth. I want to have a family. And when I look around the room, this is my family. Like, for real, this is my family. Yes, I'm married. Yes, I have children. But listen, this is what Jesus prescribed to a dying and broken world, a.k.a. his church. His church is an answer to a dying and broken world. And we are a reflection of heaven on this earth. When Jesus taught us, taught us how to pray, he said, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Right? We could say in Atlanta as it is in heaven. And when I look around the room, right, we're unified, we're together in one place, but we're not uniformed. Every single person looks different, and that's just how big God is. You're made in his image just as much as I'm made in his image. Now, we don't look the same, thank God, because you don't want to look like me. <laughs> Rough around the edges. 
But here's the deal. God made us in his image. That's just how big God is. That's just how diverse God is, right, in his kingdom. When it, Lord, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. This is what the abundant life looks like, that you don't have to go through what you're going through alone, that we can go through it together in Jesus' name. Amen. There's two gates. There's two trees. The next test is the test of acceptance. And there's also two responses. Those who do his will. 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the ones who do the will of my Father in heaven. Those who do the will of God will be in heaven. This is a hard word. Let me tell you something. I almost took this out. I did. I almost took this out. But I couldn't. I can't preach half truth. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter. The and these are people who prophesied in his name. This is people who, who performed miracles in his name. This is people who fed, you know, hundreds and thousands of people in his name. This is people who did amazing, great things in the name of Jesus. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the ones who do the will of my Father. There's a difference between sacrificial action and obedience. There is. There's a difference between what we do for the Lord, we say. And the Lord doesn't need us to do nothing for him. He wants to do, us to do things with him. And that's the difference. Being obedient is listening to his voice, hearing what he says in his word, but also speaking through his spirit and speaking through people and being obedient to what he wants us to do and not worrying about what everybody else is doing. See, we're so focused on this thing right here. And this thing is probably the one of the biggest de deceivers of our generation. We're so worried about what everybody else thinks about us. We're so worried about what everybody else is doing that, you know, we have this FOMO thing going on in our hearts. You know what FOMO means? Fear of missing out. We see somebody doing something like, oh, I want to do that, or I want that car, or I want to go on that vacation, or I want to look like that. And all of a sudden, you're not being obedient to the things that God wants you to do. And so all of a sudden, what we do to make, it feel, to make ourselves feel better, we go do that, and we call it God's will. Mm. He doesn't say those that do work, those that work for me, the, those that do good things for me will enter the kingdom. But only the ones who, who what? Do his will. 1 Samuel 15, 22, obedience is better than what? Sacrifice. There's a constant battle in our minds between our ears. It's called my will versus his will. And whichever one you feed most will win. Let me just be real. Whichever one you feed most will win. Now, I got two pit bulls. Y'all like, like pit bulls? Some people are scared of them. They look very scary, but they're, they're, they're gentle giants. They look really, really scary, right? And people knock at my door, and they freak out. One time I had a FedEx guy knock at my door. I opened the door, and my dog's name is Chunk, and his head is it's pretty big. It's about that big. It's bigger than my head. He sticks his head out between my legs. But he couldn't get out because I, I, I had him locked up with my, with my legs. 
And I'm not going to tell you what the FedEx guy, he cussed as loud as he could cuss. He threw the package in the air, and he ran back to the truck as quick as he could. One thing about my dogs is they, they, they grew up together. They're like six and seven years old now. And, you know, like to this day, I don't feed them both out of one bowl. If I put food down in one bowl, what's going to happen is one of them is going to go over there and start to eat. And the other one is going to kind of like check it out, right, kind of walk around, make sure. But, it, but the closer the other one gets to the bowl, if one starts eating first, he's going to growl at the other one. And then maybe I'll do that three days in a row. By the third day, the dog who hasn't ate is so hungry, so hungry that he's going to walk up to that bowl and try to eat something. And what's going to happen is the other dog is going to bite him. And eventually, the, 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 the other dog who has any will get so weak that, that he'll walk over to the bowl and try to eat because he's just so weak. But the other dog will probably bite him in the neck and sling him around, even though they're friends and they grew up together. But it, it, it's, it's an analogy of what you feed most will get stronger and what you don't feed will eventually die. And so you have to start feeding your spirit man because your spirit man will be obedient to the things of God and what he wants to do. But the more you start to feed your flesh and the more you start to feed the lies, eventually the spirit man will get so weak that you'll wonder how you ended up where you're at. But here's the good news. You're never too weak and too far away for God. God is graceful. God will forgive you 70 times, 7 times, times 7,000. I'm added in 7,000. But he will keep continually forgive you. But here's the deal. But we sometimes limit what the abundant life really looks like on this earth for us. We do. We don't live out the fullness of what the Lord wants for our lives on this earth. Verse 22. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not drive out demons in your name? Did we not perform miracles in your name? And I'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. Man is not saved by works alone. Ephesians 2.8, for grace you have been saved through faith. It is not by your own doings. It is a gift from God and God alone. You got to test the accuracy. There was two gates. Test the abundance, two trees. Test of acceptance. There was two responses. And the last thing is this. The test of architecture, meaning there was two foundations in this word as well. The first foundation we see is a firm foundation. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a man who builds his house on a rock. The rain came, the streams rose, the wind blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had a firm foundation. The firm foundation... That is talking about in the word is people. He's not talking about cement. He's using the analogy of cement. But he's talking about those that do the will of the Father and put these words of mine into practice. It's like a wise man. You're the firm foundation. I'm the firm foundation. God wants to build upon you, his kingdom. But you got to be able to withstand some weight. 
you got to be able to hold up other people. You got to be able to encourage other people. You got to be able to lift other people up. Because he's trying to build something on you. The other foundation is a fragile foundation. But everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on sand. Rain came, stream rose, wind blew, beat against the house, and great was the crash. The fragile foundation is those who disobey God. Looks good to the eye. Looks like it could hold some weight. But the moment they put weight on it, it crushes it. The moment you're asked to do something, the moment you're asked to lead, the moment you're asked to do whatever for the Lord, you're crushed. Because it's a counterfeit foundation. It looks like it's real. It looks really good, but they didn't really know what they were doing when they were pouring the concrete. They didn't make it thick enough. They didn't put the bars in the right places. Counterfeit foundation. Counterfeit Christianity. The Lord is trying to build something on you. It's a kingdom of a whole different world. If you just understood just how how big that was and how great that was, that nothing is impossible for you in his kingdom. That's how you can say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Holy Spirit, the dominion and the rule and the reign of Jesus lives inside of you. That means everywhere you step your foot, you bring heaven's realities into every single situation in life. Every single room that you walk into, you bring heaven into that room. Because heaven lives in you. You got to be that firm foundation. Two gates, two trees, two responses, two foundations. In closing, I wanted to challenge you to examine yourself to see if you've bought into a lie in any of these areas. Bought into a counterfeit Christianity, a counterfeit gospel. Or are we truly in the faith? Do we truly believe what the Lord says? Or are we trying to change it to fit our narrative and our desires and our worlds and our generation? Many people will appear on judgment day thinking that they're righteous. I'm saved. I'm a believer. I'm a Christian. When they're actually just religious and lost. Examine yourself to see whether you're in the faith. Test yourself. Do you not realize that Jesus Christ lives in you unless, of course, you fail the test? It's not a bad thing to test yourself. It's not a bad thing to question what's going on in your, in your mind, in your heart. It's not a bad thing to question your motives. It hurts worse when Jesus starts to teach us and rebuke us and pull the rug out from under us like, like he has in a lot of our lives. It's easier for us to prune our own trees than for Jesus to cut off the branches. And he loves us so much that he would start to cut away the dead things out of our life. And trust me, it doesn't feel good. And so my heart and my prayer 
is that the remnant, which is like everybody in this room, there's a remnant that Jesus is raising up for end time harvest. That the remnant takes off the costumes, takes off the masks, admits that, you know what, we're lost, we're confused, we're afraid, we're alone. And that Jesus will meet you right where you're at, no matter what situation you're in, no matter what season you're in. And he'll start to walk with you. He'll start to teach you. He'll start to speak to you. He'll start to anoint you for the work that he's called you to do. And listen, he says that you are holy. Why are you holy? Because he's holy and he covers a multitude of sin with his blood. He clothes you with righteousness. And holiness means set apart. That means you're not supposed to fit in with the crowd. You're set apart. You're different. And he created you different. And it's time that we get radically obedient to the things of God. Because as we follow the things of the world, it will only lead us to destruction. But narrow is the road. Very few people find The remnant find it. I don't know about you, but I know I want to be a part of that remnant. I want to be a part of that chosen few that are walking that narrow road that leads to everlasting life. You hear me? My Jesus is at the end of that road waiting for me. My Jesus lives inside of me through Holy Spirit. And one day that we will live eternally with God the Father in a place called heaven. But until then, me and you are called to bring heaven into the earth. We're called to rule and reign and have dominion over the things of the earth. We're called to advance his kingdom through love. Through loving God with all of our heart and loving our neighbors as ourselves. So test yourself today. Maybe when you go home, ask yourself some real questions. But here's the deal. The beautiful thing about God's grace is you can start over at any time. Any time. So maybe it's right now. And I'm going to pray for you. How many be real enough in this room say, you know what? I got off course somewhere. I got off course and I'm ready to, I'm ready to come back on course. I'm ready to obey. I'm ready to walk that narrow road today. I want you to lift your hands up. Be unashamed. Amen. How many other people say, you know what? I'm ready to come back. Amen. I see you, sister. How many other people? I'm ready to come back. Amen. How many people say, you know what, I want to make sure that I'm just being obedient in every aspect of my life. And I'm ready to just continue to walk on that narrow road. Lift your hand up. I want to be obedient in every aspect of my life. Let's pray together. Father God, I just thank you, God, for each person that is here today, Father. I thank you, God, that we're not going to believe the lies. We're not going to believe the counterfeit. We're going to swipe the marker over our own life of our spiritual $100 bills today, Father. And allow Holy Spirit to illuminate the lies and the darkness and the deception. If there's any demonic influence in any of our lives, I rebuke it right now. And we command it to be broken, for the lies to be dispelled, for anxiety to go away in Jesus' name, for depression to be broken off of their minds and their hearts. And I pray that you replace it with your supernatural joy. 
and that Holy Spirit consumes every single thought that is going through our mind. Let us think on good things, Lord. Things that are pure, things that are holy, things that are just. I pray all the fruits of the Spirit manifest themselves in us and through us, God. Help us to love our neighbors unconditionally, but at the same time, share the truth. The truth of Jesus, the truth of the kingdom. We thank you that you'll help us examine ourselves to see whether we're in the faith. That you'll help us test ourselves so that we're not following a counterfeit Jesus. We want the real thing. We want the real you, Lord. Do what only you could do in this house. We love you. We praise you. We honor you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. We all said amen. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah.